big question is this, how do we use the eight frameworks inside the new science of physical health to overcome this statement? Personal responsibility for your physical health is a myth and it doesn't work. These eight frameworks do. They will make you more physically healthy than 98% of people in the community that you live in. Why don't we get started in today's episode right now? Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm here to share with you episode number 83 of the daily drop of the new science of physical health. Wow, I am really excited. I'll tell you what I've been doing in terms of advanced research. I mean, I say advanced, I'm not advanced, but what I'm thinking and planning about um, in the future but I've kind of brought this forward a little bit as a result of some things that have been happening in the past few days uh, with my work in in preparing for future episodes. So I I consistently talk about in this series the number one and number two cause of sickness and death. Number one is cardiovascular disease. 18 million people a year have a cardiovascular event and pass away. This is globally. Another 18 million people have a cardiovascular event and survive temporarily, a premature cardiovascular event, many of them survive temporarily. So that's the largest killer and cause of sickness as well, and morbidity, which is premature sickness and mortality, um, also premature death wrapped up in that. That's the largest in the world is cardiovascular disease. And I've gone into a little bit about all the different types of cardiovascular disease. You're most familiar, or the general society is most familiar with uh, heart attack and stroke, but there's a lot of things that go beyond that to do, you know, to, to do with wrecking your cardiovascular system and having an impact on your heart and your lungs, blood vessels coming out of the heart, you know, things like an aortic dissection, for example, which I read about um, a, a famous uh, athlete from New Zealand who's only 51 years old. Um, has been in the hospital recently in the newspapers here in Australia for a cardiovascular event called an aortic dis- uh, dissection. There's brain aneurysms, there's end-stage organ failure, and the list goes, there's eye diseases, the list goes on and on. So I talk a lot about cardiovascular disease primarily because all of the work that I've done and found more easily across the um, across the globe with professors is focused on the correct dose of physical activity through the episodes I've been talking about recently, the clinically validated health software, and this health impact score. Well, I've long wanted to address the situation of cancer. So for those of you who haven't heard before in previous episodes, my father passed away from a cardiovascular event aged just 46 back in 1989. But what I've not brought uh, into this uh, series yet is that my mother in 2015 passed away from stomach cancer within a seven-day period of diagnosis, uh, just um, literally seven days. So I've been reading through wanting to prevent, not wanting to prevent, but wanting to look at the, the idea of physical activity and prevention through physical activity, what research was there, what medical evidence was there, who are the researchers around the world that are um, involved in this particular area, or how much of an area is there. And I've actually found it pretty hard to find the correct person. Well, that is until a few days ago. I've been I've been doing some scouring across the internet, and I came across this book 
It's really, well, I don't know, it is a book, of course, um, but it's not through Amazon or anybody. It's through um, some areas to do with Google Scholar and university-type textbook. And this one is, I'd never heard of this field before, but, and because it's pretty recent, that's why I've never heard of it. It's called Exercise Oncology. And the subtitle for the book is called Prescribing Physical Activity Before and After a Cancer Diagnosis. And this book um, has a lot of different chapters in here. Um, Exercise Oncology, the Past and the Present, Chapter 1, Primary Prevention, Physical Activity and Cancer Survival. Then this is the chapter that got me like incredibly interested because this is the thing that I like to understand and share with the, the education that I build in. Mechanisms of exercise in cancer prevention, treatment, and survivorship. So here's my thing. I ask this all the time when I talk about cardiovascular disease, and we've, um, we've started to go through the mechanisms of how does physical activity prevent or lower the risk of cardiovascular disease? So what's the mechanism? Now, it's long been curious for me as an educator, what's the mechanism, if there is any, of physical activity in cancer prevention and the correct dose? So anyway, I'm looking at this book and, look, and I bought the chapter that goes with it because the, the, uh, the, you can buy in um, uh, university-type textbooks, you can buy chapters, you can buy the whole book, uh, depends what you want. So in this instance, I was fascinated by this one chapter, Mechanisms of Exercise and Cancer Prevention Before You Get Cancer, Treatment, so when people are having treatment for cancer, and survivorship afterwards. This fascinated me. So then I'm thinking to myself, well, who wrote this book? Well, lo and behold, I then click on to the professor who has written this book, and her name is Professor Karen Schmitz, and she's a PhD and she's a distinguished professor at the Department of Public Health Sciences and at Penn State University in Pennsylvania, United States of America. Listen to a little bit of the bio of this. Then I've got something really exciting to share that I, uh, I did as a consequence of reading this chapter in this book and the series that were I'll bring it to you in a second. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm pretty, I'm not pretty excited. I am overly excited by a development since reading not just this chapter, but also the bio of this professor. So Dr. Karen Schmitz, or Catherine, sorry, Dr. Karen, Dr. Catherine Schmitz is a leading researcher in exercise oncology, the use of exercise in cancer prevention, control, and survivorship. This is such a cool area, exercise oncology. Now, that's not in her bio. That's me putting that in there. Dr. Schmidt has led many exercise trials and translated her work into clinical practice and has published more than 240 peer-reviewed scientific papers, listen to this, and has had $25 million in funding her research since 2001. Wow. She is the lead author of the first American College of Sports Medicine Roundtable on Exercise for Cancer Survivors, which published guidance for exercise testing and prescription for cancer survivors in July 2010. That's not that long ago in terms of the history of science. Like She's at the first roundtable of the American College of Sports Medicine about prescription for physical activity, only 11 years ago from the time I'm recording this. In March 2018, 
Dr. Schmitz chaired an international multidisciplinary roundtable on exercise and cancer prevention and control, at which physicians, outpatient rehabilitation specialists, researchers, exercise professionals in the room broadly agreed that the field of exercise oncology, wow, that's such a cool term, needs to be evaluated further. And Dr. Schmidt's professional mission is to determine how to do so. So here's what happened, okay? So that's the background of Dr. Catherine Schmitz, a brief background. It's a whole lot more than that. So I'm really excited by this stage going, fantastic. I finally found someone that has some expertise in this area. So I wanted to read, um, obviously, the, the uh, chapter that I found in the book that I'd gotten from the university um, about uh, exercise oncology. So then I thought to myself, like I always have done since we started this series, The New Science of Physical Health, and that is, um, why don't I find the contact details of Dr. Schmidt and then make a, a, a request for an interview for the show, The New Science of Physical Health? So I do that. Now, I'm in Australian time. She's in um, uh, United States time. It's quite a bit of a difference in time zone. So I send out this email making a request for a, an interview for the series, The New Science of Physical Health. I tell her about my background here in Australia as an educator in fi- uh, health and physical education for the last 32 years. And I've, I'm, I'm so fascinated by the two, because this is the, you know this if you've listened to the series, the laser-like focus is let's look at the two leading causes of sickness and death. There is a third, there is a fourth, there is a fifth leading causes of sickness and death worldwide, but they're a long way behind cardiovascular disease and cancer. And my supposition is this, my proposition to all of the audience of the people that listen to this all over the world, in the 66 different countries and 760 plus cities, this is what I always share with people, that if you work on those two things for your improving your physical health status, it has a cascading effect down to the other things. So if you improve your personal physical health status with the correct dose of physical activity um, that, are, that works for cardiovascular disease and cancer, it has this cascade effect into other potential areas. So lo and behold, I write to Dr. Schmidt, I get a reply back like almost like within the hour. I, I was, couldn't believe it. I was so excited. And Dr. Schmidt agreed she would love to do the interview. And it turns out that within, uh, when is it? Um, within two months from now, from this particular episode, she is releasing a brand new book that is called Moving Through Cancer, an exercise and strength training program for the fight of your life and empowering patients and caregivers with five different steps. So here's the exciting thing. I am going to get to a, an interview, Dr. Schmitz, with, uh, for this series. I suspect that what she has to share, well, I know because I've actually been given some excerpts from the brand new book, Moving Through Cancer. And, um, I'm going to talk about a couple of those excerpts just now. I'm really, really excited about it because I suspect the content that she has to share with the research that she has will become not just one episode, but will be a mini-series. And when I do a mini-series, I provide um, sections of the interview 
broken up with commentary around it. Now, I'll say this up front. I don't know until I started reading excerpts from this brand new book that comes out in October, which I'm going to recommend to everybody. Um, I didn't know what the mechanism is for uh, physical activity to impact cancer prevention. I don't know the physiological or molecular mechanism. That's one of the questions that I've got for Dr. Schmitz. I'm really excited about finding out what some of those mechanisms are. Um, but that's for a future episode that we're going to put together in a mini-series. In this particular episode, what I thought I'd do is this. I wanted to look at um, some of the uh, some some of the sections of the book that I've been able to glean just a little bit of right now and bring those to you in this episode. So here's what it is for the last next five or ten minutes of this episode. I'm only going to go through just a couple little bits of that to share with you a snippets, but to start to build the case in your mind that not only are we working with the correct dose of physical activity for cardiovascular disease, but there'll be a correct dose for reduction of reduction of risk for reduced risk in um, your for a cancer event, and then later on when we get to the mini series, I'm going to talk about the mechanisms for that, which fascinates me. So how does it do it? We know, I've gone through in lots of the previous episodes here in the New Science of Physical Health podcast of how it does it for cardiovascular disease. There's plenty of my brain gets that, but what I want to share is. How does it do it for cancer, the second leading cause of sickness and death, which all those years later after my father passed away from cardiovascular disease, it took the life of my mother. So here's a couple of quotes. I'll talk about those and just kind of whip through those to give you a bit of a build-up to the mini-series that's coming. And there might even be a couple of episodes on this because I am so thoroughly enthralled. I actually wrote this to Dr. Schmitz that I am thoroughly enthralled with the discovery of this topic called exercise oncology. Wow. So here's a quote. In addition to this type of clinical trial research, 23 more of the most rigorous, high-quality, epidemiological observational research studies assessing how exercise, physical activity, affects the survival of cancer patients done in people with breast cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer. Those research trials show very convincingly the regular that regular exercise done after you've been diagnosed with cancer can reduce your chances of dying from this disease by as much as 69%. Wow, there's a mechanism going on there. Now, that by 69% for and it says here for all different types of cancer, not just some, by 69% survival rate so there's a mechanism going on there. I'm not going to talk about that right now. We're going to get into that when we talk with Dr. Schmitz. Um, here's, an, here's the next one. I've got this one highlighted in green. Ten years ago, this quote from the book, all we could say was, yes, you should exercise. We believe it is better for you. And there are a few reasons why we think this works, but we can't really tell you how much, how often, or what intensity, that is a really important, that word, would work best, that's my insertion, would work best, even though we think it might work this way. Now, that was just 10 years ago. Now, this book hasn't been published yet. It's coming out the next couple of months. A decade later, we can actually prescribe exercise for eight different 
very specific problems that people with cancer care about. Anxiety, depression, fatigue, quality of life, uh, lymphedema, I'm going to ask the doctor about that one, physical function, bone health, and sleep. Wow. This is like only from 10 years ago when they didn't know these things, and now 10 years later they do know that. All right, I'm going to scroll on here. I get fascinated by this. Here's a table. How exercise helps your body during cancer treatment. Now, I know right now I'm focusing on during cancer treatment, but I'm going to get to when I do the interview and make the mini-series of the mechanisms because that's what I want to know. That's what I'm kind of want to delve into. How does it get it to the point where the correct dose of physical activity drives down risk of actually developing cancer? doesn't mean that you won't develop cancer, but it drives down the risk. And I've read... I read this comment in in the excerpt there from the book that um, one section that said a person who was super fit, very active, looked after their diet, got cancer. And I said, you know, shouldn't isn't that unfair? Isn't that wrong? You know, shouldn't that person? Why has that person got it? And the their treating doctor said, imagine how bad the cancer would be if you weren't like that. I thought that was a really interesting statement. All right. So, how exercise helps your body during cancer treatment? Let me just pick on a couple of these um, and uh, and not all of them. Okay, in the head, so the head part area of the body, first of all. Cognitive changes may protect against changes in cognitive function, so decline. It and anxiety, reduces anxiety, helps to protect against depression. I know a little bit about those areas because I was at one stage about seven, eight years ago now diagnosed with clinical anxiety and depression from a particular event in my life. And, man, I I didn't realize how much exercise would help. Um, Sleep, it improves quality of sleep. In the chest, physical activity, cardiovascular system, may prevent or improve cardiotoxic effects of treatment by improving cardiac function. So all the things we've talked about here at the New Science of Physical Health and the Daily Drop episodes where you have health adaptations as a result of the correct dose of physical activity into your cardiovascular system, well, that will help with your treatment for cancer against cardiotoxic effects. Really interesting stuff. And then there's some other stuff around the immune system, weight gain, and, and maintaining muscle mass. So there's quite a few things there. All right, let me finish this episode with maybe four or five quick little points that I want to go through that bring those things out in a little bit more detail. How exercise helps specifically. And it says here, much like cardiac rehabilitation in the 1980s, there is a groundswell of building. More and more of the medical establishment is beginning to accept that physical activity is not only beneficial for cancer patients, but should be a part of the routine medical treatment. So following are the areas in which they've got, we have the best advice. This is from the book, where multiple studies have consistently shown that exercise provides measurable and important benefit after a cancer diagnosis. So we're still focused on that. So anxiety, regular uh, aerobic exercise, especially vig- especially vigorous. So correct dose again, correct dose. Exercise or aerobic exercise combined with strength training reduces the anxiety that many patients feel after receiving the news they have cancer treatment. So it helps in that particular area. And it's been shown across a number of common cancers, breast, prostate, uh, colorectal, lung cancers, and blood cancers, leukemia, lymphoma, and myeloma. In general, studies have shown the more vigorous you exercise, the less anxiety you feel. 
Depression, like anxiety, there are many trials that have clearly demonstrated that aerobic exercise, correct dose, which we've been talking about for a long time in this series, reduces the depression patients often feel as they move through cancer treatment. That's a really interesting area. Fatigue, the most counterintuitive benefit of exercise. The notion that forcing yourself to move when you are bone tired will actually energize you has some of the strongest evidence supporting it. Moderate to intensity aerobic exercise, aerobic exercise plus resistance training or resistance training alone reduces fatigue both during and after treatment for cancer. So I found that pretty interesting too. That's not stuff I was aware of. Um, The next part they talk about in the book, health-related quality of life. This is a catch-all term that researchers use to describe a person's overall physical and mental health. Scientific studies have consistently shown exercise, physical activity improves the way that people with cancer rate their overall health. That's an interesting approach in terms of health-related quality of life. And uh, what's this one? Lymphedemia. For many years, cancer patients who suffered this particular side effect of treatment, swelling that typically occurs in one of your arms or legs, were specifically told not to exercise. We now know conclusively particularly for those with breast cancer, that resistance training using a start-low, progress-slow program of weightlifting is safe for women who either have or are at risk from developing lymphedemia. It was Dr. Schmidt's own research that turned the tide on this issue. So there's a lot of stuff here that we're going to go through. This is a 272-page book, and there's going to be some incredible stuff here. Oh, this one I found interesting too, just before I go and finish this episode. Nerve damage, known as peripheral neuropathy, a common side effect of chemotherapy, can cause weakness, numbness, and pain, usually in the hands and feet. When it is severe, it can affect balance and mobility. Right now, we know that exercise is generally safe for people with cancer who are experiencing peripheral neuropathy. However, there are too few studies at the moment, and the results are a bit varied to really understand the mechanism of how physical activity can help help in that particular area. So there's so much to do, and I've got a series. That, what we're going to do with the mini-series with Dr. Schmitz is this. Well, I'm going to go through a couple of questions that I want to ask, particularly around the mechanisms for cancer prevention using so what happens inside the human body because that's the area I want to dive into. Then I want to look at it through, um, well, we're going to go using the book here and also the interview with Dr. Schmitz in her own words, go through some of the mechanisms during treatment and in survivorship. I am thrilled that this is an area that's developing in the last 20 years, particularly the last 10 years, thanks to people like Dr. Schmitz, who is one of, I read out her bio at the start here, the world leaders in exercise oncology. What a beautiful, now it's not a, it's not, I want to make this clear, I'm not a doctor. I'm going to work with Dr. Schmitz, ask the questions, get some answers, have some discussion, and note that whatever, this is really important, whatever, the why my attitude is this, if physical activity is scientifically proven to be of assistance, I want to know how. And then, because I, I, that inspires my brain to become more physically active. It makes sense. If, if So if it's for prevention, I'd like to know the mechanisms, which I'll be asking in that interview. Then I'd like to know about during treatment, 
for all those people listening to that who are either impacted by cancer themselves or know people who are impacted by cancer or want to share this information so people in the future who might become impacted by cancer get this kind of content out there. I want to promote the work of her book, Moving Through Cancer, as much as possible because it's right down the alleyway, so to speak, right down the mission statement of what we do with the new science of physical health. How to use the physical activity to stay physically healthy and at low risk from the two leading causes of sickness and death worldwide, cardiovascular disease and cancer. So some great stuff coming up. I am unbelievably excited about this field, exercise oncology, and it really complements and puts together now the final piece in the puzzle of the work that I want to do here at the New Science of Physical Health, which has helped both areas of people because it's millions and millions and millions and millions of people. So I've got a lot of work to do on reaching more people, and that's the next phase of what we're going to be doing at the New Science of Physical Health is reaching more people, but particularly related to this area, which I think almost, I don't know, if I said to the average person in my industry, do you know what exercise oncology is? Most of them would look at me like, no, never heard of it. So I'm fascinated to help bring it to the community that we have listening to this show and the community of people that use our resources. Thanks so much for joining me at this episode. I'll be sharing with you again tomorrow my new sign-off, as you know from a few episodes. I'll be sharing again with you tomorrow. I think I'm going to look a little bit more into this topic of exercise oncology. All right, everybody, wherever you're up to, have a great day. Get some physical activity in. If you haven't had a chance yet to get access to our clinically validated health software through the links in the show notes, go and do that. I'm implore you to do that. I feel like I'm doing a service by giving you access to that because I know the difference it would make once you start to package our education content along with the clinically validated health software that tracks your health adaptations and your risk of a cardiovascular event. And we'll find out more about the correct dose in relation to the work with Dr. Schmidt and cancer. All right, everybody, that's it. I'm signing off, sharing with you tomorrow. Bye for now.